Everything that exists has its purpose to bring God glory. For the church, the purpose has always been the same. It's employing the word of God in the making of disciples for the glory of God. While we seek to live out this purpose, we affirm the identity of four organic evidences into a simple statement. By the grace of God, we desire to glorify Him by magnifying His Word to develop disciples who think biblically, live missionally, give generously, and love sacrificially. And it is to the second of those four measures, this matter of living missionally, that we turn our attention this morning. Human beings are geared for selfishness. We are self-seeking, self-centered, self-serving, and well, selfish. It's in our wiring from the fall on that we, we desire to, to arrange everything we can possibly arrange in ways that satisfy whatever priorities and desires and wishes and, well, whatever we can come up with. However, for those of us who come to faith in Christ, Things change in, in dramatic, radical, and fundamental ways. Jesus described it himself in a conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3 as a, a new birth. In the passage at hand this morning, it's described as becoming a new creature. And there are various life consequences, consequences in a good way that come with this new creaturedness. 2 Corinthians 5, paragraph that goes from verse 16 down to verse 21, summarizes, at least for me, the heart of the matter in what it is to live missionally or as I've called it on your outline, to live missionally in a me-first world. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's take a, take a walk through that paragraph together. The first thing I'd have us see this, this morning is that Roman number one on your outline, in Christ, I have a new regarding. A new regarding, a new perspective. Uh, letter A, I see people in a different way. The text, verse 16, we regard no one according to the flesh. The eyes through which we see humanity now connect to a completely different mind, a different way of thinking. You and I live in a culture that seems obsessed with sort of pie-charting humanity into categories. We do it ethnically, we do it politically, we do it economically. Every news broadcast is loaded up with opinion polls, this percentage and that percentage and the other percentage. There's this incessant obsession with segmentation. We do so love our pie charts and percentages and our categories and our classification. All of that is precisely according to the flesh. And for who we are and for what Christ has called us to be, it's useless. There is, there's one categorization scheme that ought matter to us. Humanity can be divided into those who know Jesus and those who need to know Jesus. Other categories are going to tend to get in the way. We were talking about this Tuesday in our sermon planning meeting and, and Brother David uh, said something. I just had to write it down and remember it. There is a reason Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Those folks were on the wrong side of the pie chart. They were ethnically different. They weren't like, like Jonah at all. Why in the world would I want to go to that side of the pie chart? People of Nineveh are weird and a bit yucky. What do I want to do with them? And in order, as you'll recall, if you are familiar with the book of Jonah, for Jonah to get his mind and his heart right, his boat ride was interrupted by a storm at sea, which ended up with him getting rightfully chunked overboard, gobbled up by the big fish, taken on a three-day trip to the bottom of the ocean, after which he was puked up on the beach and told to get on with it. Because the Ninevites were people who did not know God, and that mattered. 
The other things he thought he knew about the Ninevites didn't matter at all. He got a new way of regarding people. We also should share in that. Letter B on your outline, we see Jesus in a different way. The, uh, the text says in verse 16, continuing, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Everybody's got an idea about Jesus. I, I, at least, I don't encounter many people who will tell you they oppose Jesus. You just don't encounter many people who say, you know what, I, a Jesus is a bad idea. No. In, a, in our culture, there aren't that many who deal with idols made by hands. There's some. But our culture is extraordinarily skilled in creating idols with their brains and manufacturing a God who isn't. And sometimes even hanging a Jesus name tag on that God who isn't. Um, I think Jesus wants, no, here's how you say it. My Jesus wants everybody to be rich and never have any noteworthy health struggles. My Jesus wants to have a more casual attitude about minor sins. My Jesus wants me to be happy, happy, happy. I used to argue with those folks, but you know what I figured out? They're right. Since their Jesus is a work of fiction of which they are the author, all those things might be true about their Jesus. They're just not true of Jesus. They're not true of the God who is. And for those of us who have come to faith in Christ, who have followed the Jesus who is, we understand that what we can know about him is based on what he has said to us in his word. And Jesus is as he has described himself or your Jesus isn't. We have a different regarding for humanity and for Jesus. Not only a different regarding, but a new reality. A new reality, Roman 2 on your outline. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a very, very fundamental mistake that's easy to make, and it, it, it can happen with various passages and verses in the New Testament. This is an example. Notice this verse does not say that if anyone is in Christ, he ought to be a new creation, so get on with it. Work harder at being a new creation. Is that what this verse says? Does this verse command you, Christian, to become a new creation? Is there a commandment in this verse? No. There is a statement of fact in this verse. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It happened. Let's see how, how good your, your logic is. Suppose, oh, I don't know, that as you examine your life, there is no evidence whatsoever of, of a authentic, core deep transformation. Suppose there is maybe some tact on behavioral changes. You've picked up a few things, dropped off a few things, and maybe even learned some new terminology. But there is the absence of a passion to love, know, and follow Jesus. In short, you are not a new creation. What does that indicate regarding whether or not you are in Christ? You're not. If anyone is not a new creation, he's not in Christ. Now that's important because it, it is going to work its way out in letter A on your outline, some external expressions. There is no question that we conduct ourselves differently in how we interact with the world around us because we have been changed. Um, I robbed exactly as many banks this week as I desired to. I truly did. I'd like to think I'm not overly possessed by the love of money, but I'll tell you, I'm kind of fond of it. I mean, my shoes are going to wear out, and it'll be nice to be able to go buy shoes, you know? And before you accuse me of gross and crass materialism, I can't help but notice many of you are also wearing shoes. Why would I not want to rob a bank? That's where they keep a lot of money. And it's not just because I think I might get caught, though I certainly would. It's that my desire to honor Christ precludes my desire to take a bunch of money that's not mine. I said in the earlier service, eight o'clock with, with my wife sitting right down in there, I committed adultery last week exactly as many times as I desired to. Because I would pray that I would have a massive life-ending brain embolism two days before I would ever dishonor my Lord or dishonor my wife with the atrocity that is adulterous behavior. I'd rather bleed out of every hole in my head explosively than deny my Lord and defile my wife. And as I told the earlier crowd, if I die of a massive brain bleed on Tuesday, do not draw any <laughs> conclusions. The week is young. I don't want that. I don't want that. 
I, I have learned and am learning the degree to which Jesus loves me and has forgiven me and has remade me. And the internal drives and internal compulsions, let her be on your outline, my internal wiring is just different than it would be. There is a new creatureness about me, which, by the way, I can take no credit for. It's part of his saving grace that he has brought to my life by his act of reconciliation. I've gotten brand new reality as a follower of Christ. Not only new regarding and new reality, Roman numeral three on your outline, I've been reconciled. I have been reconciled. First part of verse 18. All of this, this, this new way of seeing things, this new way of being, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He has made us right. We come to the table with letter A on your outline. Horrific, insurmountable sin debt. A horrific, insurmountable sin debt. It's easy to say, well, yes, I understand. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But honestly, me, not that much. Ha! We know better, you and I, don't we? The vividness of the word picture in Isaiah 64, 6. Older translations say filthy rags. Uh, I think our ESV calls it a a polluted garment. Our righteous deeds, according to Isaiah 64, 6, appear to God because they are so affected and infected by our sin. Our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. The idea tumbles into the New Testament in the testimony of the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians when he's talking about when he came to realize even in the midst of an extraordinarily well-tuned and self-righteous life as a, a master student of the greatest Pharisee of his time, Paul said, I looked at all the bullet points on my righteousness resume And in contrast to Christ, I came to see them all as his word, rubbish. Now that filthy rags word picture from Isaiah and that rubbish word picture from Paul are not referring to the rag you keep draped over the shelf in the garage where you dry your hands after you you wash them from doing yard work. No, both, the, both words, the Old Testament word and the New Testament word imply septic tank filth. Our righteous acts, we're going to let alone our unrighteous ones. Our attempts to present God with our list of good stuff we've done presents God with sewage. Well, Brother Russell, I don't think you fully understand and appreciate the magnitude of the incredibly good things I've done. I have quite an impressive pile of good 
deeds. Oh, my friend, you have an impressive pile. (laughs) But it does not read as good deeds when viewed from the perspective of an utterly holy, utterly righteous God. You're in trouble. If you're outside of Christ, you are in insurmountable trouble, as were we who are in Christ, but letter B. That insurmountable sin debt has been paid in full forever for those who are in Christ by the only means possible. That's what the word of God is saying when he says Christ reconciled us to himself. The bloody substitutionary sacrifice in payment of Christ which we commemorated just a moment ago in the Lord's Supper, is the only currency whereby payment of that debt and reconciliation of our lives now and in eternity can be made. Thus, the urgency of Roman numeral four our new role, our new role. This dynamic of reconciliation, this reality of being a brand new creature, this regarding of seeing humanity as those who know Jesus and those who need Jesus and seeing Jesus as the word of God tells us he is all come together behind that therefore in verse 20 and assign us a new role. Let me go back and pick up the rest of verse 18. Speak first letter A of the character of our mission. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. There it is. There is what living missionally makes us. And notice as earlier in verse 17, the new creation is not a commandment, it's a fact. So in verse 20, the assignment of the ambassadorial role is not a commandment. It's a fact. You are an ambassador of his. You're not told that it would be a good thing for you to do. If you are in Christ, you have been elevated to and assigned the role of an ambassador. An ambassador is in position to convey the message of the one he represents to the place he is assigned. That's what an ambassador is at the heart of the matter. The first thing we we see on our outline, Roman 4, letter A, is the character of our mission. Verse, Verse 18 says it like this. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says it like this. He has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. 
An ambassador is not predominantly a citizen of the place where he is. He is certainly not predominantly consumed with being an activist regarding the place where he is. According to my passport, and I don't mind it, I am a citizen of the United States. Okay. According to my driver's license, I'm a Floridian. I'm cool with that. According to my mailing address, I live in Lee County. And according to what I have to pay the HOA, I live in Danforth Lakes. None of those define me. In fact, in a scant few decades, none of those will matter one whit. Not a hair's breadth. It's not worth defining myself in those categories because my citizenship that will matter decades, centuries, ages from now, my citizenship is in heaven from which I have been sent as an ambassador to whatever setting I happen to lay my head down at night. The passion of my life The definition of my life, the drive of my life is that role. Ambassador, I represent a king and he has something he wants communicated. That's that's the role. That's the role. And not only the, the character of our mission but then be the content of our message. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the message. That's the the content of what we as ambassadors bear to those whom we encounter. We got to tell people about the message of reconciliation. It has become, unfortunately, overly standard in the life of many churches, perhaps including some here, to say that the issue is a lack of training. I've heard it for 40 years. And I'm all for evangelism training. I'm all for teaching some basic apologetics. I'm all for training folks how to deal with questions and objections in a conversation about the gospel. But your neighbors are not dying and going to hell because you can't explain how Noah got all those animals on the ark. As important as that might be. You know enough if you are in Christ. Start with how you got saved. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a simple four-point outline. Welcome to evangelism training. I'm going to take what you already know and give you a simple four-point outline. If you, if, you would, if you would say, well, I would share my faith if I just knew how, start writing. Here we go. It's this simple. 
first thing you ought to be able to tell anybody you encounter is that God is absolutely holy, righteous, and just. God is absolutely holy. You can handle that. Second thing you ought to be able to tell anybody you encounter is that mankind is absolutely sinful, including the specimen of mankind to whom you are talking, including the person who's doing the talking. God is absolutely holy. Mankind is absolutely sinful. Number three, the only reconciliation for that is in the person of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the means whereby the sinfulness of man can be made right before the holiness of God. The reality of God, the state of man, the work of Christ, and then fourth, so what are you gonna do about it? Fourth, the gospel is not just invitation, the gospel is also confrontation. So what are you gonna do about it is a fair question. God, man, Christ, response. There shouldn't be a believer in the room that couldn't take that message of reconciliation to a lost person in your life right away. No amount of training will suffice if passion is lacking. If you just don't care to have that conversation, remember you are an ambassador. The only question is whether you will live missionally as an effective ambassador. Or will you simply be a tourist, meeting the nice people, enjoying the good food, and taking in the views? Brothers, sisters, we are not tourists here. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We're not tourists. We're ambassadors. Let's live missionally.